0: here's what I know about you. You genuinely want to live sent and join in on what God is doing all around you. But sometimes the fast and frenzied pace of life seems incompatible with making this happen. What if I were to tell you that there is a way to live at a different pace of life, one that is marked by love, peace, and joy. In this episode, we're talking about slowing down to live sent, and it's coming up. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Living Scent Podcast. This is episode 22, Slowing Down to Live Scent. And if you are new to the podcast... My name is Justin Wester, and I release a new episode on the first Wednesday of each month with the purpose of helping you live like an everyday missionary in your household, your neighborhood, your workplace, and your city. And I'm excited for this year. I want to let you know that we've got some great content lined up and some even greater interviews lined up with practitioners, not theorists, but people who are actually living sent in their local context. And I know that all of it will equip you, your small group, and your church to live sent in greater measure this year. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already so you don't miss any of this content when it drops. As always, I'd like to remind you to get today's show notes at my website, justinwester.com. Today's notes are going to give you a tool to use if you'd like to go deeper into today's topic with your family. It could be a group from church. It could be a team from your work. And I'm also including a daily devotional for this coming week as well. Just head over to my website, navigate to the podcast tab and download them there completely free. And finally, a big thank you to those who are rating and reviewing this podcast and those who are also sharing it with their friends. Each of those things is a huge blessing to me. And I want to mention that if you share any of these episodes on social media, be sure to tag me because I'd love to repost and connect with you there as well. Well, today's content is actually a message that I shared with my church this past month, and it is all about intentionally slowing down, and I hope it encourages you. I'm sure that every single person here this morning in some measure, feels the need for speed. I think it's the world we live in now. I think it permeates every single aspect of our lives, and it's only increasing. Think about this. This morning, if you had a cup of coffee, you didn't have to grow the coffee beans, roast the coffee beans, brew the coffee beans, wait on your coffee pot if you didn't want to, right? You just buy a Keurig, or buy instant coffee. That's a thing. You don't even have to prepare breakfast these days if you don't want to. You can buy a frozen meal and put it in this contraption called a microwave, and it will be ready in literally a few seconds. Our communication is fast. You don't have to sit down and write out a letter. You don't have to fold it up Find an envelope, put postage on it, walk out to the the mailbox, and then wait for the mailman to pick it up. No, what do we do now? We send a text message. We send email, and it's delivered almost instantaneously. Our internet is fast. We don't have to wait for dial-up internet. Everybody remembers that sound. It haunts them in their dreams, The (laughs) all that stuff. No, we have have high-speed internet. Our phones are fast. Remember when you actually had to dial numbers on a rotary phone? Remember when you had to push them on an actual phone? Now we have contact lists. We have what's called speed dial. Our mail is fast. Remember when you would order something and 7 to 10 days was pretty good? Now that's slow. We expect... Amazon Prime, two-day delivery, anything after that, we're like, what is going on? What is taking so long? We have fast food restaurants when we're on the go. And my family's personal favorite, we have Walmart grocery pickup. We can do everything fast, and it is only increasing. We live in a world of speed, and even the branding of many companies are used to foster this. Listen to some of these names. If you want food delivered to your house, door dash, door dash. If you want to video conference somebody, Zoom. If you need to do your taxes, TurboTax. If you want to hire a new employee, Zip recruiter. If you need a prep dinner, please, for heaven's sakes, do not use the slow cooker anymore you don't need that. You need the Instapot. You've got to get that. And then even it's infiltrated the church too. Let's say you're in a small group. You're trying to decide on a new Bible study. You're going to browse right now, media. Right now, media. That's what we use. It's not maybe later media. It's right now, media. We all feel this need for speed. And it's almost like a gravitational pull. It's bringing us into the center and it's producing this ever-increasing pace of life. And hear me, it is a problem. It is a problem. A few months back, I was having one of those weeks where it seemed like I had way too much to do and not enough time to do it in. And you have been there, I know you have. It was, the pressure is on this week, I've got to be super focused, I've got to be crazy productive, I've got to get it all done. And so I remember one morning, I was getting my stuff together, eating breakfast, I got my bag ready, I was on the way out of the house, and I turned around to Lindsay, very, very quickly, gave her a quick hug and a kiss, and I remember saying this to her, I said, my goal today is speed. My goal today is speed. And I literally closed the door, got in the car and drove to work, got to work, put my stuff down and got settled and then pulled out my phone and realized that I had a text message and it was from Lindsay. And I'll never forget what she said. She said in the text message, she said, Hey, I know that your goal today is speed. She said, I think your goal today should be people. I think your goal today should be people. I was caught up in what I call the speed cycle. The speed cycle. It's like a vortex that pulls you in. And anytime you're in the speed cycle, the very first thing you experience is this. You are in a hurry. You are in a hurry. You're always in a hurry. It it doesn't matter what it is. You're in a hurry to get your kids to school. You're in a hurry to, to make that first meeting. You're in a hurry to get to work on time. You're always, always, always in a hurry. And when you're in a hurry, by default, you begin to prioritize tasks over relationships. You begin to prioritize tasks over relationships. Getting that one thing done or whatever that thing is becomes the most important thing, even more important than the relationships around you. It could be a relationship, relationship with your spouse, it could be a relationship with your kid. It almost certainly involves. Your relationship with Christ, you begin to prioritize the task over the relationship. And then watch what happens next. Any sort of distraction or setback or inconvenience, and those things happen every single day, any one of those makes you frustrated and irritated, so much so that you begin to feel chronically behind. You are always behind Always behind. You can never catch up. You are in the speed cycle. And two things are true of the speed cycle. The first, it's really easy to get into it. It's so, so easy to fall into this thing called the speed cycle. And then number two, you're always less loving. You're always less loving when you're caught in it. Look at the screen. This is what John Mark Comer writes in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He says, hurry and love are incompatible. He said, all my worst moments as a father, a husband, and as a pastor, even as a human being, or when I'm in a hurry, late for an appointment, behind on my unrealistic to-do list, trying to cram too much into my day, I ooze anger, tension, a critical nagging, the antithesis of love. This is why the need for speed is such a problem. But Jesus invites you into another way of life. Jesus invites you into a slower life. He says that through faith in Him, there is this kingdom that is available to you, and it operates at a completely different pace. One that is not running on speed, but one that is moving at this patient pace of God. And So here's our big idea that we're going to look at more closely this morning. It's this, intentionally slowing down. See what I did there? Intentionally slowing down breaks the speed cycle and increases your capacity to love. Intentionally slowing down breaks the speed cycle and increases your capacity to love. The only thing that will stop the ever-quickening need for speed in life is to intentionally slow down. And when we do, we open ourselves up to love God more and to love the people around us more. And I have a hunch that every single person here craves a life like that, craves a slower more unhurried life. I do. And Jesus says it is possible through him. So let's pray, and then we'll take a closer look at how we can embrace the habit of slowing this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the invitation to walk through life with you. Uh, We don't have to walk alone, but you call us to walk with you And our deepest desire is to know you, the one true God. And so, Father, we pray that you'd help us to be people that slow down, to be people that seek your kingdom daily, and to be people that lovingly serve others around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Galatians. That's where we're going to begin today. If you don't, we're going to put the verse... Up on the screen, we're just going to start off with one verse today. This is Galatians 5.25. It says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. We all have a natural speed at which we walk. You know, some people are faster, you got long legs, some people are shorter, you got little stumpy legs. We all have a natural speed. But if you've ever tried to walk with someone there's kind of a few moments there where you kind of have to figure out how you're going to keep in step with one another. Because if you don't, give it enough time, somebody's going to be way, way, way out in front. And many of you know this. I was in the Boy Scouts growing up. And if you're in scouting, you always go camping. And then like every camping trip is a hiking trip bundled into it. And so on this one particular trip, me and my buddies, we decided we were going to go to the front of the, the pack. And we were just having a good time, uh, you know, telling jokes, weren't really paying attention to anybody behind us. And we actually started walking a little faster than the troop. And I remember the senior patrol leader would say, hey, y'all don't get out too far in front, you know, hang on. And so we'd, we'd stop on the trail and we'd wait for everybody to, to get up to us. And then we'd, we'd keep going. And then sure enough, we'd get in our own little world. And then, hey, y'all don't get out too far in front. Don't do it. And after about the third time, all of a sudden, things just got really quiet. And then somebody in our little group had the bright idea, hey, let's turn around and see, oh, wait a second. We were way out in front, and we were completely alone. And I think sometimes the Lord treats us like this as well. He, he wants to walk with us. He actually invites us to walk with Him, but if we're not careful... We can get way out in front of God. And that's why it becomes so important to slow down. When we intentionally slow down, it increases our capacity, number one, to love God. It increases your capacity to love God. We are first and foremost called, as Christians to be lovers of God. This is is priority number one. This is commandment number one. Remember when Jesus was asked, hey, what is the greatest commandment? He said, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And if anybody knew what loving God looked like on a practical day-to-day basis... I think it was King David. Remember how he was described? He's described as a man after God's own heart. And so if you'll look up at the screen, look what King David wrote in Psalm 27. This is out of the overflow of his heart. And he says this to the Lord. He says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Gaze, dwell, and meditate. Those are slow words. Like, how long does it take to to dwell? Like, how do you know that you've gazed upon something? When is meditation complete? Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, Lord, here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to drop by, you know, if I can, if if I can fit you into the schedule. Here's what I'd really like to do. I'd like to just glance at you really quick if my schedule permits. And if I'm really lucky because i got a lot to do, I'm just going to multitask while I'm in the temple. No, he says dwell, gaze, meditate. Those are the slow time-consuming practices that helped him love God. I want you to think about a beautiful sunset at the beach. Think about a perfectly clear, starry night. We had one of those at Movies in the Park. Think about going up on top of a mountain and looking out over, you know, this beautiful landscape. What is it about those things that captivates us, like why do they grab our attention and hold our focus for so long? Nobody has to say, "Look at the sunset." Don't look away. Keep looking at it. Nobody has to say, "You've got to see the sky." You've just got to keep looking at it. No, no, no. We naturally want to behold things that are beautiful. And if you're anything like me, you usually take out a camera, take out your iPhone. And you, you take a picture, right? It's almost like you want to keep that. You want to collect these little moments where you're just awestruck. And you know what I really get frustrated by? I'll be telling somebody about it. Oh, man. The sunset at the, the beach this morning was amazing. And then I show them the picture, and they're always a little, like, underwhelmed. They're like, yeah, that's nice. And I'm like, no, 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 you always say this. No, no, the picture doesn't do it justice. Right, And when we look at it on our phone, we're not content to just say, that's a sunset. I don't ever need to see another one again. No, you want to go back to that thing. You want to go back to that place. You want to go back to the mountaintops and get another glimpse to admire that gorgeous landscape. Friends, this is what the psalmist is saying our relationship with God ought to look like. To slow down long enough so that we can actually behold our God, so that we can be captivated by His beauty, so that we can be mesmerized by who He is and what He's done in Christ. And maybe you can think of a time where you say, man, I used to be like that, but it's not really like that for me anymore. Maybe those things are just kind of like memories to you, almost like a picture that you look at and you say, man, I want to go back there. I want to go back there. You can. God actually calls you to himself. He says, seek me daily. But it's done by intentionally slowing down our pace of life so that we can open ourselves up to love God for who he is. Intentionally slowing down not only increases our capacity to love God, it also increases our capacity to love others as well. To love others. In the 1970s, there were two psychologists at Princeton University, and they studied the effects of several uh, situational variables on a person's willingness to help other people in an emergency situation. It was called From Jerusalem to Jericho, and it was designed and implemented by John Darley and Daniel Batson, and they used the parable of the Good Samaritan to design this whole thing. Let's look at the parable they use. This is from the Message Translation. It says, There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, and they went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Maybe he he knew this road was dangerous. Maybe he knew this road was risky and he didn't want to take the time to help. But then it says, then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. And then a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid. He disinfected and bandaged his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill and I'll pay you on my way back. So here's how the study went. The researchers gathered 40 seminary students and they gave them a prompt. They said, you're about to give a presentation. It could have been one of two things. They said either it's going to be a presentation on alternative job opportunities for trained clergy, or you're going to give a presentation on the parable of the Good Samaritan. And after they were assigned their presentation, they were told three things, one of three things. Either you're already late for this presentation, you've got to hurry up and go there, you're expected immediately to give this presentation, or you've got a few minutes before you need to give it. Here's the catch though, it was on the other side of the campus. And so all these students, all these people involved in this study had to travel down this one hallway, and there, where there was a doorway there, and there was a man that was kind of slouched over, and any time a person passed through that doorway, the person slouched over is supposed to cough twice, and then the researchers were going to record their helping behavior. So what do you think happened? And keep in mind, these are seminarians. These are people that are training to love and serve others in Jesus' name. What do you think happened? Let me read you some of their findings. Darley and Batson summed up two large findings in their conclusion. They said, subjects in a hurry were likely to offer less help than were subjects not in a hurry. Whether the subject was going to give a speech on the parable of the Good Samaritan or not did not significantly affect his behavior of this analysis. Indeed, on several occasions, this part cracks me up, a seminary student going to give his talk on the parable of the Good Samaritan literally stepped over the victim as he hurried on his way. The student's desire to meet this deadline, to make it to their destination on time to complete this to do, what did it do to their capacity for love? I mean, it, it essentially shrunk it down to nothing. And so think for a moment about the relationships that are in your life. Think about your family and your friends. Think about your coworkers that you see on a consistent basis. Think about the people that you just come in contact with on a daily basis. Every single one of these people Are the people that God is calling you and I to love just like the Good Samaritan? But it is near impossible when we are in the speed cycle and we are constantly feeling that need for speed. So, the secret sauce, though, to recapturing your love for others is not trying to muster up, you know. Greater, a greater sense of self-awareness, or a situational awareness, I should say. It is not uh, trying to muster up just a, a greater sense of sympathy for people in general, or, you know, you're not supposed to go around all day, every day, trying to find these tiny little things to meet needs, and that takes up all your time. That's not how you grow in your capacity for love of others. The way you do this is through the gospel. So let me ask you this, does the good Samaritan remind you of anybody? Of course he does, right? The good Samaritan reminds us of Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate good Samaritan, but Jesus doesn't just risk his life, Jesus actually lays his life down. Jesus doesn't just sympathize with you and I from heaven saying, man, I see you down there. I love you. I know what you're going through is terrible. I, I, I just love you so much. I'm so, so sorry. No, no, no. He willingly gets involved. Jesus, the scriptures say, take on flesh and dwells among us. Jesus doesn't just save you at the cost of his money. He saves you at the cost of his life. He literally looks upon the desperate, sinful state of man and he inserts himself Into the confines of time for your redemption and mine. That's where the motivation to love others comes from. Because when you've experienced Christ's love, you want to offer it back to Him, you want to offer it to others around you. Intentionally slowing down increases your capacity to love God, love others, and also your capacity to love yourself. To love yourself. In Galatians 5.15, the Apostle Paul writes this, he says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then in 1 Corinthians 6.19, he writes there, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God, get this, in your body. So are we to care for our bodies? Absolutely. I think it's a no-brainer. But all too often, and you know this well, the side effects of our speed cycle that we get into leads us to neglect our bodies. What happens when we have busy weeks? Do we say we have enough time to sit down and cook A home-cooked meal? No, usually we're on the go. We're picking up fast food. Usually we're going to bed late. Sometimes we're waking up early. You wake up with a headache. You're like, what did I do in my sleep? You know? You're you're waking up and you're saying, I don't have enough energy to make it all through the day, so I'm going to hit the convenience store, go by Publix and get one of those five-hour energy drinks or Monsters or Red Bulls. I'm going to pound one of those things so I can make it through. And then... We get surprised when we get sick. Or we get surprised when we pull our back out, when we put our socks on. You know, we're like, what is going on? We get surprised when we get hurt. You might have heard it said, and I love this, that the body often knows before the brain. The body often knows before the brain. It could be the aches and the pains that we have. It could be the, the, the lack of focus that we had, it could be heart palpitations. Our bodies, I think, sometimes are literally screaming at us to slow down and listen to them, but oftentimes we can be way too busy to do so. I'm going to quote John Mark Comer again, and in his book he gives uh, 10 symptoms of what he calls hurry sickness. This is number seven. He says it's lack of care for your body. Look what he writes. You don't have time for the basics. Eight hours of sleep a night. Daily exercise. Healthy, home-cooked food. Minimal stimulants. Margin. You gain weight. You get sick multiple times a year. You regularly wake up tired. You don't sleep well. I love this. You live off the four horsemen of the industrialized food apocalypse. Caffeine. Sugar, processed carbs, and alcohol. I think one of the most spiritual things that you can do this Christmas season is take a nap. Some people, seriously, just need to take a nap. You don't need to read your Bible. You don't need to pray. God wants you to rest. One of the most spiritual things that you could do this Christmas season is drink water. One of the most spiritual things that you could do this Christmas season is make an appointment with your primary care doctor. It sounds simple. It sounds way too easy. But that's what it means to love yourself. Love yourself by slowing down long enough to listen to your body. It ultimately honors God. So let's get practical for a few seconds. So intentionally slowing down will break the speed cycle and increase your capacity for love, but what does that actually look like? I want you to keep something in mind as we think about how we're going to put this into practice this week. If you were to think through the traditional spiritual disciplines, you'd probably never come across the spiritual discipline of slowing. That's what we're talking about today. You would probably find things like silence, solitude. We talked about Sabbath already. You would, you would find things like fasting and prayer and meditation. You'd probably not read anything on slowing. So why are we talking about that? Well, if you were to ask Christians, what is it like to follow Jesus today? I think many people would say, to be honest, it's, it's pretty fast. It's frenzy. We're in a rush. We're caught in the speed cycle. We feel the need for speed. That's what it's like to be a contemporary Christian. And because we're following Jesus in the 21st century, that means we need spiritual disciplines that apply to the 21st century. And slowing happens to be one of those habits for today. And so let's look at what the definition is of slowing as we conclude here. This is from a man named John Ortberg. He's actually a mentor to John Mark Comer, who wrote the book that we based this whole series off of, and here's how he defines slowing as a practice. He says, and this is going to make some of y'all so mad, cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. It's it's literally forcing ourselves to wait. Wait so that we can slow our bodies down and slow our souls down so that we can love God, love others, and love ourselves in greater measure. And he gives a whole host of practical examples. I want to just read some of them off to you and then maybe give you a chance uh, towards the end here to brainstorm one for yourself. Listen to what he says. He says, drive the speed limit. These are not going to sound spiritual to you, but I promise you they can be. Drive the speed limit. Choose the slow lane at the grocery store or at the red light. Come to a complete stop at every stop sign. Don't text and drive. Purposefully arrive early to an appointment, and he says, and don't check your phone. You just wait there until your appointment is ready for you. Parent your phone. He says, put it to bed before you do. Get it up after you do. Become a single tasker. Not a multitasker. Or how about this one? Just walk slower. Here's what I'd like you to do uh, as we come to a close here. I just want you to choose one thing. You've got notes in front of you. I just want you to choose one thing that you'll do this Christmas season over the next couple weeks that you know will intentionally slow you down so that you can do what we were talking about today. Just a couple of ideas. These are a holiday focus. Maybe it's baked cookies from scratch and decorate them with your family and friends. Hopefully you already have a Christmas tree, but if you don't yet, uh, why don't you go pick one out and then decorate it with your family or your friends or someone else? What about building a fire gathering around it, and reading the Christmas story together with your family or your small group. It could be any number of things. And I bet you some ideas are already starting to pop into your head as to what that might look like. So again, I want to challenge you to just write it down on your notes or in your phone, something that you'll do to slow you down this Christmas season. Jesus is calling you to a slower pace of life, one that is modeled by love, one that is modeled by joy, one that is displaying peace and patience, and it is possible through faith in Him. So maybe you're here this morning and you say, I don't think I've ever really experienced that kind of life. Maybe in just a moment, you need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus for the very first time and ask Him, Lord, I want to walk with you through life. I don't want to do this on my own. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, I've been following Jesus for a really long time, but I think I am way out in front of the Holy Spirit. I think I've been running. I think I've been moving at just an unsustainable pace. I'm all alone and I need to stop and say, Lord, I'm going to wait for you to catch back up. I want to walk with you again. Whatever the case may be, let's take just a few moments in silence and I'll conclude us with prayer. Let's pray together. Well, there you have it. Intentionally slow down to live sent this year. Hey, a big thank you for tuning in. And as you sign off, I want to remind you to pick up the show notes and invite you, should you have any questions or thoughts around today's episodes, to connect with me this week. I'd love to hear from you. And really the best way to do that is by going to my website and clicking on the connect page. Shoot me a message there and I'll be sure to get back with you this month. Hey, that's all for now. And as always, Remember, you don't have to live scent, you get to. We'll see you next time.